Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. Um, and Andy, if my voice sounds even lower than it normally does, it's because a couple days ago I talked for about nine hours straight. <laughs> oh, yeah. you were giving some sort of address at a yeah. <laughs> professional venue? Or... Yeah, definitely definitely a professional venue. Um, yeah, so we just uh, we just got done with Roll for Topic Con. Um, so we did this last year um, for a small group of people, and we decided to do it again this year. Uh, yeah, it was super fun. So it was on you know this last Saturday, so we're recording on a Monday. And we had about 15 people. I actually didn't get a total head count by the time time we were done. I think it was 15 or 16 people um, came to a small venue in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we played games all day. Um, it was super fun. We did indeed. Uh, by the way, I think that the uh, local Air Force and airport wait until we start recording podcasts and they scramble okay. helicopters and planes. So listeners, <laughs> if you hear air traffic in the background, that's what's going on. Uh, yes. So Roll for Topic Con is officially an annual convention now that yes. we've done it twice. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, it will be an annual convention from here until the end of time, I guess, is how it goes. <laughs> That's right. We are, you heard it here, we are committing to doing this until we die. So. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it was great fun. So this was, uh, again, we, we kind of kept it to um, people who had been on the podcast before and some other kind of like local friends and stuff like that. Um, yeah, just to, to keep it a bit smaller and more manageable. Um, but yeah, so I think the what we wanted to do with this episode was um, give ourselves a chance to recap a bit and to maybe process some of it on air because uh, yeah as soon as the the con ended you had to jump in a car so we actually haven't talked since um since the con ended and so Indeed. what yeah what i wanted to do andy was um maybe we could do on air uh there's this concept of stars and wishes if you've heard of this before um so this is something that came out of i don't know there's a there's a good article that maybe we can link to in the show notes about this about what stars and wishes are but the, the basic idea is at the end of your gaming session you say Stuff that you really like. So this is your stars for the the session. Like, um, yeah, like stuff that was particularly great. Uh, just moments that you really loved. And then your wishes are like things that you didn't get to do that you really wanted to, or stuff that you want to see more of in your in your next session. So we're gonna apply that to the the convention itself. Let's start with you. I guess what were what was one or some of your stars from the convention? Well, let's see. Uh, one star, I guess, is simply that I think there is. Uh, merit in in organizing something like this and kind of giving it that extra veneer of kind of being an official event versus Mm -hmm. like a hangout yeah so with the size of the gathering we are looking at 15 to 20 people it's kind of right on the edge of something that you could call it a, a friend hangout and do it at someone's house but we've chosen for the second year in a row to rent a venue, cater food, create a schedule of events, that sort of thing. And sometimes during this process, I've wondered, you know, wouldn't this be easier if we just called this a friend hangout uh, and show up at someone's house or or lake house or something like that and do it. But I think that, I think that being there, there's just kind of a thrill at, at being at some, a game convention and following the schedule and, Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's uh, I guess it doesn't sound very exciting when I say it like that. But can you relate yeah. to that? Yeah, I think the I think the when you said following a schedule, I was like, oh, geez, we're we're boring. <laughs> but I mean, it does it does sort of tap into that like I don't know 
the reason we play games too, right, is to give a little bit of structure to our socialization. Yeah. <laughs> somewhat yeah. too. Yeah. But I mean, I think having that, yeah, it gives it a, uh, an air of legitimacy, even if it's only for us and maybe the attendees or something like that. But yeah, I think there, there is, uh, there is some value in that. And I think it also just raises the stakes a little bit too for what people, what people expect out of the convention, like yeah. the convention and expect out of themselves for the games that they're running to. Yeah, it's not like, I mean, if you're going to do something, this is a convention. So like, you know, like make it a little bit more special, maybe. Yeah, I know that when I was prepping my game, I, that was a, that was a mostly good pressure. Like people, people are paying money to be at this event and they, uh, and they chose to be in my game at the expense of not being able to be in other games. If this were a friend gathering, I could show up maybe a little less prepared and wing it a little bit more, but I felt some good pressure to, okay, Andy, you can't, you know, you can't wiggle out of this one. You need to show up, you know, knowing the rules and ready to go. So yeah. of course, uh, what I did is I showed up and I left all my pre-generated characters two hours away back at home. But yes, yeah, other, yes. other than that, it worked great. Yeah, that's great. So maybe that's one of your wishes is to not forget your pre-generated that's characters right. That's right. that you spent so much time on. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, what uh, I guess let's just like take a, a quick moment. What game did you you end up running? Yeah, I ran the game that we talked about in a recent episode, Twilight Two Thousand. Mm-hmm. I uh, incorporated some of the ideas and advice that I I got from that episode. So I want to thank you, and that mm. that was a star getting to put into practice some advice that I had gotten, you know, just a couple of weeks earlier from talking to you and mm-hmm. finding out that it was good advice and it worked. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Successful podcast then, I yeah. guess. <laughs> yeah. So how would, uh, so we probably both have multiple stars and wishes mm-hmm. or whatnot, but um, let me turn it back to you and let's get a star from you then. Yeah. Um, I think for me, you know, similar to what you said, but I think getting, getting a lot of people together that I care about and I really like in the same room together to play games was super fun. I mean, just like, uh, being in there and like listening to like the joy that was happening, like at other tables and, you know, different games and stuff that were being played was, um, that was very memorable for me. Um, something that I think about, and I think I I chatted with a couple people about this is like that doing stuff like this is a very optional thing. Um, and I keep trying to find a a way to say this uh, (laughs) in the right way, but like, like we don't have to play these games. We don't have to run conventions. You know, it's something that we we kind of get to do and choose to do. Um, and I'm glad that we chose to do it. Um, for me, that was a that was a real highlight. And then another star. So I ran a game of fifth edition that again we talked about uh, a little bit of like my anxieties about it a couple weeks ago, and that um, that conversation really like it gave me the hook that I needed to run run that game successfully. And um, I was a flurry of activity basically since we stopped recording that episode two weeks ago, almost to the day <laughs> to when I actually got to run, uh, run the game at the con. It was just like, it felt like I was firing on creative, like all creative cylinders getting that ready. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a really fun feeling. Cause it's been, it's been a while since I've had like a good, a good idea like that, that I think that I had to put together and like it, my brain needed to see it through <laughs> that sort of thing too. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy about that and happy how that, that game went. This was proof not that i needed more proof but this was this whole experience has been proof that you know great gaming is most fun when it's done in community and mm-hmm. by community i mean a, a slight a somewhat bigger crowd than just your immediate game group obviously mm-hmm. role-playing require is a community activity on some level but it there is something exhilarating about being in a room with uh, you know 15 20 other people 
that are excited about this hobby, uh, with whom you can strike up a com- conversation about any of the games you, that you see around the room. And, um, mm-hmm. and you know, in our case, that having that podcast discussion was invigorating for both of us, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, how many other spaces do you get to walk into where you say, like, oh, we're going to play a game of Morkborg, you know, an improv-heavy game of Morkborg that... Um, previous guest nate was going to just kind of run run off the cuff because we had an open spot and like everybody's like oh yeah like i know what that is and we immediately had five people who were happy to volunteer to play right it's like that's that's a really cool uh cool thing when you're not just having to be like explained from first principles like what dungeons and dragons is right you can just sort of start with like let's play Morkborg. um yeah uh, so let's let's transition over, I guess, over to wishes, and I'll start with a kind of an easy one. Um, so I played in so Tim Saucer ran a game of Shadowrun Second Edition. Um, so I uh, maybe somewhat infamously uh, like to slag off Shadowrun whenever it comes up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll I'll play in this. I'll see you know see what it's all about. Um, yeah, uh, the system is very much not for me, although it is very fun and I'm super glad that I played. Um, but the one wish that I had from that session was I could, I couldn't find a good opening to use my, um, my Dwarven mercenaries grenade. <laughs> I really wanted to <laughs> yeah, these two grenades. I used them to threaten people a few times, but I didn't actually get to throw them because, uh, Tim showed me there's this amazing chart, which, like handle like how it ricochets and like how much damage it does based on you know where where you are but um yeah so that that was one wish if i could go back i would um probably just hurl that grenade in the last uh the last combat just to see what happened well yeah yeah definitely (laughs) yeah what about you uh let's see a wish for me i think it is pretty specific to the game i ran i i think ultimately if the game could have gone another hour i wouldn't have complained now interesting uh, i wasted a half hour at the beginning of the session because i forgot my character sheets i had to railroad us through character creation fast which is mm-hmm. uh you know not very fun so that was 20 30 minutes right there so th- th- that that part's on me but mm-hmm. i also felt like it was a new system for all of us is a it's a pretty dense system and by the third hour of our three hour game i felt like we all had a grasp of the mechanics and how the dice work and the pace and the style of the game. And we could have gone another hour, I think, just to ride that high of like, hey, okay, we figured this out. We're on a roll. So the next time I'm running a brand new game that has some degree of kind of mechanical complexity to it, I I would probably, I will probably try to, stretch the time a little bit to acknowledge the fact that it'll, it's going to be two hours before we're all um, kind of, mm-hmm. we have this figured out. And, yeah. Uh, and then, um, yeah. So that it wasn't a big problem. I'm the three hours was also a great amount of time to play. And it did, I think, keep anyone from getting bored by the time mm-hmm. the game was ending. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, but I, I would have happily gone for another hour, not, not more than an hour, but another hour. I will say, I think it was around hour two is when I glanced over and noticed your entire table was standing. Yes. Like, and looking. I mean, so, like, Twilight 2000, for those who don't know, I mean, you have, like, a hex 
map that you're looking at like it's you know like it looks like a war game right yeah (laughs) and like everybody was standing and like i feel like someone was even pacing a little bit like trying to figure out sort of what to do like that to me was a super cool moment it's like okay something something cool is happening at andy's table yeah right now if everybody's that engaged that they're like they can't sit anymore they they need to need to get the best vantage point there was a moment in that game that was just really thrilling for me as a gm and that is so we ran kind of a opened it with a combat that lasted 45 minutes or so, or maybe an hour. And after that, the PCs had to decide what to do. And there was just a wonderful, maybe five, 10 minute period where everyone was standing around the table, hunched over this big map I had spread out on the table. And they were calculating out, they were trying to calculate out routes. Like the question was, this is how much gas we have, Mm -hmm. where, you know, how far can we make it? Where should we go? And so, they were drawing on the map and they were running the math of how much fuel it would take to get here versus there. And can we get across the river on this tank of gas? And it is uh, it is exhilarating for me to watch PCs make pla- just make plans. Uh, I, I was glad then that I hadn't given them a scenario that was like, oh, you need to get to this city. But instead, they got to pull up that map and decide where they wanted to go. So. That was a that was just a neat moment um, when players are are thinking and making plans and solving problems. It's exciting to watch. I think. Yeah, were you trying to aim for that moment, or did that just happen? It just ha- it just happened. Uh, I mean, I I yeah, it, it worked out well. Yeah, so the the session that I ran was a, a fifth edition um, session. So it was a level twenty boss fight. I did decide. I don't know if you listened to if you listened to the previous episode. I was kind of waffling back and forth, but I did decide to go with level twenty characters. Um, Great. And uh, fan favorite uh, John Corey actually stepped in to help me make those characters. Um, so I had not really looked at the character sheets very much. Oh, um, he yeah, which was which is kind of in keeping with the the game that I was running which we can maybe get into a little bit but right? yeah. so like I hadn't like gone through you know line by line and been like okay you, you can't have this we got to adjust this give him different yeah. spells whatever like that um so he made sure that the wizard character did not have wish in there like super Excellent. made very clear on that like I think he even swapped it out like the pre the thing he was using tried to give it to him but uh, but in there, the the rogue got a sneaky uh, dagger that had a, a potential for a wish spell <laughs> on on the dagger. Interesting. Um, which seems a little overpowered. But hey, you know who am I to argue with fifth edition designers? Um, yeah. So uh, in the the dagger had D four charges of wish on it. Um, so the rogue Aaron he rolled it rolled it straight just to see how many charges he had left and he he came up with one charge on on the thing so uh he held on to it and it ended up being a really fun moment at the end of the game um they were they needed to escape basically as this demi plane was folding in on itself um and it was just like you know they're trying to figure out what to do the the druid had wild shaped into a dragon and was like hauling them you know up and away from the the volcano that was erupting and destroying everything <laughs> and they're trying to figure out and said yeah aaron's like well i have wish like let's let's open a portal <laughs> right so uh-huh. they they did that and were able to get out but it was one of those it's one of those like things where it's like as a gm i very specifically did not plan on how are you going to get out of this situation because like I, I knew this might happen at the end it's like well this put this place is collapsing. I'm okay with the total party kill, you know, like behind the screen. That's what I'm okay with, but <laughs> you know, hoping, hoping that's not going to happen. And then seeing them kind of piece, like pull together, like what they had, all these, um, all these resources and like figure out how to get out of the situation was just like, uh, just like such a fun, I don't know. Like, that's why I play these games, right. Is to be surprised. <laughs> yep. 
here's a question for you. What is a GM strategy or trick or style that you witnessed that you're going to take and use in your games or, or, or consider? Oh, that's a really good question. So Tim, um, like Tim ran shatter on like playing in that, like something I really appreciate about Tim is he, he does a good job setting up scenarios and then letting it happen and not trying to weasel out of it. Hmm. So there was a, uh, he had a Faraday cage in there. Like, and so, you know, we're trying to basically break into the cage to steal a bunch of new yen, <laughs> right? Cause of course, right. It's Shadowrun. Um, and he had a, like a guard character who was going to like radio for backup. And he said out loud, like, the guard steps in closes the cage and radios for backup. And then like one of the other players, Toby was like, but he's in a Faraday cage. He can't, he can't get comms out. <laughs> you could just see like, and, and Tim was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. Like, you know, after we finished laughing and stuff and he, he rolled with it. Um, and I could just like, I could see myself in that situation being like, ah, dang it. Like this, this blows all my plans to smithereens. I got to find a way to like, you know, weasel out of it. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate that you just lean into it. And it felt like such a huge win for the party too. Right. To, to get to like, Oh, like we, we figured it out. Like or, you know, Toby figured it out. We didn't figure it out. Like, you know, we figured it out and like, now we can, um, now we can have the, the advantage here. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Is there anything that you, you picked up on? The, so I greatly enjoyed the games I played in. I played in a game of the Shiver role-playing game, which mm -hmm. I had not even heard of, but it's a neat okay. game. It's got some cool custom dice and a fun game mechanic. Uh, I'll, be I'll be looking into it just going forward. Um, I, I didn't look through the rules, so I'm just going on our scenario, which was a kind of World War II zombies uh, action horror, and it seemed like a, a good... Um, you know, action horror RPG. So I enjoyed that. And then I enjoyed playing Morkborg. So the thing that I, the GMing lesson I learned, it, it actually wasn't from another GM. It was, uh, it was from me forcing myself to do all the die rolls out in the open where mm. the PCs can see them. And, Interesting. and by doing that, committing myself to live with the result and not fudge. And I guess I hadn't realized how much I, have come to rely on the ability to fudge something if it feels more comfortable to fudge it. And it turns out it was more fun to roll those dice out in the open and not know how it was going to go. And then just, and, but you know, and then stick to it. So yeah. um, that it was just one game, you know, I'm really talking about maybe a total of 10 die rolls here, but mm -hmm. I will say it, it was a good experience. I, don't know if every you know there's good reason sometimes to not roll out in the open but i personally going forward am going to roll in the open unless i really have a good excuse for not doing so interesting did you was that because you for, forgot your gm screen or was that a huh. decision you made <laughs> you know i had the gm screen i didn't end up using it um it just with this twilight 2000 game and uh, you know i wanted it to feel like a hex crawl so mm -hmm. They're traveling across a hex map, and I didn't stack the encounter deck or anything like that. I just drew completely randomly from the deck of random encounters. And I had just decided going in, I wanted this to be as I wanted it to be as much a surprise for me how the story went as it was for the PCs. So mm. and it turns out that is that is an experience I really liked. I liked 
not having any idea what was around the corner, yeah, I'm going to do it more. I mean, you you have to have faith in the players as well that they'll roll with the surprise because you haven't tailored it to haven't tailored it for them, you know. But um, I don't know. I I mm-hmm. usually play with people that I have a lot of faith in anyway. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's uh, uh, makes me want to try it <laughs> sometime. Yeah. yeah. Well, it worked. It worked well. Uh, it, it worked well in this, uh, in this scenario, certainly games where you just, you simply need to do a lot of story prep in advance and you can't afford to let the game get entire, totally derailed by a random event, but this wasn't one mm-hmm. of those games. So, um, so I, w- I wanted to bring up one other thing about the con. Do you have anything else that you wanted to, to raise? I'm going to kind of divert us a bit. I don't think so. You know, most of my other comments are things I'll want to chat with you about, you know, there's. There's a lot of logistics that go into mm-hmm. putting e- even a small get together for 15 to 20 people. It, it that's it's it's a lot of work. So uh, yeah. but but yeah. you and I can chat about uh, those nitty-gritty <laughs> details off air. Yeah, I did want to say on air though. Um, I really appreciated. So Tim Saucer stepped up to really uh, to help us he do did. some organizational Enormous stuff. Way, yes. um, that was that was amazing, right? Yep. He yeah. He really kind of kept us on track in a lot of ways, um, which I think is good because we both have a tendency to just sort of like, I don't know, get too distracted by <laughs> by one problem. And he's like, we'll just make the decision to move on. Yes, um, that, yeah, that is he, exactly yeah. that is one of the biggest things he brought to the planning was <laughs> uh, was proposing that we do things rather than you and me would just endlessly back and forth about questions. So Yeah. Um, yeah, and then he uh, he helped out with food quite a bit and did the food orders and stuff. Which yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it's like the that sort of stuff takes a lot of time and effort and is pretty thankless, honestly, at most most conventions. You know, yeah. if anything, it'll get like a side note of someone complaining about complaining about the food, and it's like, right, well, right. I mean, yeah, seeing what goes into getting like anything together, I'm like, I will never. I'm gonna hug every event coordinator yeah. every every oh, seat from here on out. Um, yes. Okay. So the, the one thing that I wanted to bring up is, uh, so we had this thing called the swap table at the convention and I I wanted to raise this because I think this is something that everybody should steal if you're running a convention of any sort, honestly, is, uh, so we have the, the swap table, which is set up that everybody brings the games that they're, the games, the books that they are just, they're not using anymore, right? They have deluded themselves into thinking that they're going to run it. And then they realize that it's been, you know, two years and they haven't even cracked it open, or they did run it and they liked it, but they're never going to run it again or what have you, right? Like all, all those sorts of reasons why you might have a book that you, you no longer need. So everybody put that on the table and then um, you could then go up and take whatever you wanted to uh, after that. But because there's some really good stuff on that swap table that a lot of people want, we needed to have an order of who got to go first. So for the second year in a row, Andy, you put together this amazing quiz that we all took um, collectively to figure out like who would get to go <laughs> first and second and third yes. like that. Um, and I just need to say like, this was the hardest quiz I've ever taken. <laughs> um, yeah. So describe, tell, tell everybody like what this was. And if you could give us an example of one of the questions, I would appreciate that too. We might, we might have you read out all of them at some point. Larissa said as like a bonus episode, but yeah. So tell us one of the questions. Yeah, it might be fun to to spring some of those questions on a guest uh, at any yeah. future episode. But yeah, well, I'm glad that you found that enjoyable because it was enjoyable for me to set up. But yeah, I so I wanted to create a quiz and then your score on the... I wanted to create an RPG trivia quiz for GMs. But I also didn't... I, I didn't actually want to... Um, 
your score on the trivia quiz tells you what order you go to the table in. So the better you mm-hmm. do on the quiz, the the earlier you get to pick something off the swap table. But I didn't, but we have such a range of experience and knowledge. You know, we have people in this group that have been playing for 30 years and we have people that started playing a year ago. And so mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to just penalize people for being new to the game or for not having a, you know, an encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of game systems. So, yeah. Uh, so for the last year's quiz and this year's quiz, I I went and found kind of ludicrous pieces of trivia or mm-hmm. bizarre rules from game from games, usually games that are kind of hilariously complicated, uh, yeah. for which I have a great fondness. Yeah. And so my goal was to find you know questions that nobody really knows the answer to. So you would just be uh, you know everyone is is guessing. And has equal chance to get it right or wrong. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I need and, to interject for just a second. So, yeah. you you said up front if anyone is confident in their answer on any of the the questions that they were they needed to like you know state as such beforehand and they could yeah. stand up and give their answer. Um, n- no one took you up on that. And like you said, some people in that room had been playing for thirty plus years. <laughs> yeah, so. there were a couple of questions on this year's quiz that that strayed a little. A little close to someone might actually know this, but mm-hmm. I just gambled that they that they didn't. And people, if they knew it, they kept quiet about it. So uh, yeah, okay, all right. So give it, give us an example. Yeah, give us an example question before. We sure, get too far. Uh, an example question. Well, I don't know. Was there a question that you remember that made you laugh or that you got accidentally correct? Oh, I got zero of them correct. Okay. Um, the the one that sticks out to me that I think was like the most the most pedantic. I mean, they were all pretty pedantic, but like the one that really sticks out to me was uh, which printing <laughs> yeah. of the player's handbook yes. um, answered the question of can non-player characters do short or long rests? <laughs> yes. So it wasn't even like. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, which edition? I, I don't know, like which edition you know dressed it first or anything like that. It was like which print version? Yeah, which added to the errata. which printing yeah. of the fifth edition player's handbook yeah. uh, corrected that uh, that hole in the rules? <laughs> yes, yeah, and I don't. What what was the answer? Do you remember? I don't remember the answer. Oh man, oh it was the sixth printing. Oh yeah, clarified <laughs> that non-adventurers could take long and short rests. Yeah. Which you you just uh, like so things like that made me make me laugh you know because who mm-hmm. who needs to be told this right <laughs> like, right yes. like <laughs> but if going all the way back to Gary Gygax's columns in like Dragon Magazine he was answering these sorts of questions and you can hear in his voice like why do you need to hear this from me <laughs> like, yes. And, uh, but it's just a part of the hobby and the mindset of all of us who love this hobby. I think that when mm-hmm. when there's a vagueness in the rules, like we notice and we kind of want to know what the official answer is. So <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway, yes, yeah. So yeah, uh, I asked so, some questions. So I was, um, oh yeah, I asked one of the questions was how many total skills uh, can you pick in. The Rollmaster Standard System, which is the late 1990s edition of Rollmaster. And going into researching the answer to this question, I thought the answer was going to be like 200. Um, mm-hmm. But the answer is uh, rounds off to about 700. Um, 
And I was delighted that it was so ludicrously large. Uh, and, yeah. And yeah. I did some trimming. So I had a big spreadsheet with all of these skills. And I did some trimming down to, you know, to in case anyone challenged me on like, well, that's a skilled category, not a skill. So <laughs> if, if you're wondering, I did my due diligence and I trimmed that list down. Yeah. And I, I do, I also want to note that you mentioned that this does not include magic skills, right? Was that? Yeah, that was that's a on. big can of worms. And I was afraid we might be looking at like 1500 skills yeah. if I left those in. So, yes. Well, yeah. It, so it was excellent. I did just want to call that out because that was, uh, that was very delightful. And I heard from a number of people that like, that was one of their favorite parts of the, about the con. Surely one of my highlights for sure. Yeah. Well, um, I'm glad. And about the swap yeah. table generally, you know, I love the... I love the generosity that the swap mm -hmm. table um, ev shows evidence of. Um, people people came in. I went home with, I took something off the swap table when I checked the, that was brand new. And when I mm -hmm. checked the price on what it costs brand new to buy, it was 100 bucks. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. it, it, I, it was a Traveler 2380 box set. And uh, the other thing I got was uh, all two All Flesh Must Be Eaten books. It's a 20-ish hmm. year old RPG, long out of print. Uh, I I looked that up this morning to see how much it costs, and buying those two books off Noble Knight would set me back 150 bucks. Oh wow! So <laughs> you know, um, and it was like that with you know not everything. Mm -hmm. The thing you bring to the swap table doesn't have to be worth 100 bucks. I don't know. This is a, a real generosity, and the fact that people were delighted to see people pick their game. You know, it it. It, it is a heartwarming experience, uh, as mm -hmm. cheesy as that sounds. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for me, you know, I threw, uh, so there's a new D&D &D starter set, like, that just came out um, yep. at Target, like, last week or so. I like, know. I it's ran... hard to get, too. I, I, oh. I've looked, I've hunted around on tar the Target site trying to get oh, it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I played enough of it. I ran a, a short session for someone, you know, a week or two ago uh, and that was like, you know, this is fine. This is not for me, right? You know, so I, I put that up there. You know, but it's like, that's, uh, I mean, part of it, I think is just, yeah, like, uh, when you do a convention like this, where there's a high level of trust amongst the people, I mean, I think stuff like that can work well, right? Yeah. Like, it's just like, you know, I, I could get a couple bucks from Noble Knight, or we could just sort of do a trade and, yeah. you know, like you'll, you'll get something that you want. I'll get something that I want and it all sort of works out in the wash. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's really, that's just a cool, cool part of the convention, I think, um, and the reason to do, like, I mean, going back to what you were saying at the beginning, like the reason to do it as a, like more of a formal thing is you can create opportunities for stuff like that too. Yeah. So, yep, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, we are quickly getting into a conversation that's going to turn into like logistics of running a con. So let's stop ourselves there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and wrap up. Yeah. Again, it was a really good convention. Um, you know, thank you for bearing with us as we talked about convention stuff for the past couple of episodes, but we'll be, we'll be back to our normal normal stuff um next episode i was just taking a quick look because we are coming up on episode 100 and i'm sure we'll do something special for episode 100 yeah i can't um, wait i am holding on to my game idea i'm going to pitch you on a game in our next episode uh, okay and, uh, i am <laughs> I look forward to hanging that. on to it it took i had to make a saving throw to not just start babbling about it but i had a game <laughs> epiphany while watching a movie recently and you're gonna you're gonna get my pitch Oh my goodness. Okay. We're going to record the next episode right away. <laughs> but, um, yes. Okay. Well, this has been Roll for Topic. Um, I did want to uh, bring up that, uh, you know, we're part of the Roll for It Media um, podcasting network. 
And our sister podcast, The Splat Book, um, is super great. It's John Corey and Kyle Latino. Um, yeah, I love that podcast. I just started listening to their latest episode, which um, I think, yeah, this will be the latest one if you go look at their feed right now. Um, they had Brandon Carruth on, who I think Brandon's been on our show as a player in one of our actual plays before. Yep. Yep. But they're playing the the Wizards Grimoire, um, which sounds like I mean, just ten minutes in, I'm like, I need to play this game. It sounds sounds super fun. But uh, yeah, the Splatbook has a knack of they've been doing these um, actual play episodes over the summer, and they have a knack of just like finding these great gems of games that all sound super fun. So yeah, go check it out at thesplatbook.com. Uh, let's see, I have been Chris Salzman, and I've been Andy Rao. And remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM.